This is an ABC podcast. So Tegan, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty well for someone who has spent the last week recovering from a strain of the novel coronavirus. Were you sick with it? Yeah, I had a couple of days of feeling a bit rubbish, uh, but I mean, I'm triple vaccinated. It didn't take me very long to kick it. Luckily, so far, none of the rest of the family's got it either. So yay, <laughs> tentative yay. Yeah, good news. Anyway, let's do a podcast about a show all about the coronavirus, Coronacast. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. Yeah, let's do that. I'm Norman Swan, physician and journalist, and it's Wednesday the 30th of March, 2022. And Norman, let's talk today about, we've been hearing about this hybrid version of the coronavirus called Delta Cron, and I had always thought uh, of a not, not a very well-read student of biology that viruses reproduce by just replicating themselves, that they don't really have the chance to kind of interbreed with each other the way humans and other creatures do. So what's happened here? How on earth do we get a combined version of two different strains of a coronavirus? So let's go back a little bit of history. The viruses that we've seen emerging from the SARS-CoV-2, the variants, have been mutations. The virus is mutated around the immune system or what have you, and you've got new variants which are different mutations of the original Wuhan virus. There is another way that you can get new viruses emerging, which is probably the way SARS-CoV-2 emerged in the first place, is that you get a coronavirus which merges with an animal virus and then gets spat out into the environment. And that's that merging of two viruses, which really is not a proper merging of two viruses, they exchange genes and you pick up genes from another virus. So one goes one way or the other. Now, that's what's happened with Deltacron. You've got a combination of Delta genes and Omicron genes in the one virus. Who knows which way it went? And that's what Deltacron is. It's basically a, a, a version of the coronavirus where we've got both Delta genes and Omicron genes. Now, Chinese scientists have written a really good paper on this, prompted by, by Deltacron. And the surprise in the general media about Deltacron, and they're arguing that this is not a surprise at all. They're arguing that coronaviruses, as a family, are very susceptible to what's called recombination, where you get recombined genes appearing in a virus. MERS, the MERS virus, Middle-Eastern Respiratory Virus, they claim is a, co- a recombinant virus, and that this should not be a surprise. So they say that further concerns are coming. And I suppose what they're saying here is, they call it the the wolf is coming is the title of the article. And I suppose they mean the wolf in sheep's clothing. So essentially, the worry here is that the virus recombines with animal viruses. So we've already had SARS-CoV-2 going into mink. Remember that in Denmark, it went back into humans, it's gone into dogs, it's gone into cats. The worry is it could go into farm animals like chickens and pigs, which exchange viruses at a very high rate and then get spat out. And it could be so recombined, or in other words, the virus, the genes could be so new that it becomes essentially a new virus to infect humans. Now, the recombined virus might go nowhere, might die, might not be able to infect humans, or it could be another pandemic virus. And what they argue for here is that we really should be doing a lot of surveys of the wild animal population and the domestic animal population. So we really have got a detailed idea of what virus is circulating generally, so that when you see a recombined virus, you know what the genetic pattern is, where it might have come from, and it might make vaccine strategies easier moving into the future. So using Deltacron as the case study, what do we actually know about this? It I'm guessing it might have happened with someone who's been infected with both strains at once for some reason. And what what's the upshot? Is it a worse virus than both Delta and Omicron? So the answer is 
you're right, it, it almost certainly emerged in a human being and the virus is mixed in a human being. And it's just not clear yet the extent to which we should be worried about Deltacron. BA2 is the one that's muscling everything else out. And it may well be that it turns out that Deltacron is not something to be too worried about. But it does show you that this recombination is a distinct possibility and that it can survive. So taking our experience with Deltacron and this Chinese study sort of in concert, what are the implications for us in how we manage the pandemic in the next couple of years? It goes back to a previous coronacast where we talked to a researcher from Princeton who argues that one of the core things that we need to do is in fact do these viral surveys and the genetics of those viruses in wild animals and uh, farmed animal populations and that we control the wild animal trade because wild animals is how this got into the human population in China and control agriculture so that we're not encroaching on natural environments to produce more food because that exposes domesticated animals or semi-domesticated animals to wild animals who might be carrying viruses that could recombine. So this is the way forward in terms of preventing, uh, in the first place, a new pandemic. And presumably controlling the rate of spread in the human population is also part of this. Like the more it's replicating and spreading among humans, the more likely something like this is to happen. That's right. The unfortunate thing is that we've now got variants like Omicron which evade the immune system to a significant extent and the vaccines only protect to a level of about 30% and only for a while against infection itself. So you've, we've lost the moment in many ways to prevent infection itself just by vaccines. Um, we've got to be able to slow this virus with other measures such as masks and to some extent ventilation and being careful of indoor environments. Right, so not throwing our hands up and just saying we've done all we can, there's more that we still can do. And can we actually talk about what your antibodies look like after Omicron? Because that's another paper that's come out recently and I obviously have a vested interest in it given that I have recently experienced what I can only assume was an Omicron infection. So it's a really interesting paper. And what they found was that if, you, if you're unvaccinated and you have an Omicron infection and you, could, and you try those antibodies out on previous variants they don't work very well at all. So you're really only protected against future Omicron, not past variants. And the assumption would be probably not future variants. If you've been vaccinated and you get Omicron, then it strengthens your immunity to past variants. So the assumption is it acts a bit like a booster vaccination. Doesn't mean you don't get a booster after you've had Omicron, but it's good news in terms of your general immunity. We've actually got lots of questions for you today about boosters, especially fourth doses. But before I ask you that one, I want to ask you one from Marlene, because it really talks to this. She's asking, what makes something a sub-variant of the coronavirus and not just a new variant? Well, they both have the same mummy. Therefore, they're brothers or sisters rather than a, a completely new mummy, if you like, mummy virus that produces offshoot. So it's an offshoot and it's all about the genetics of the virus and how similar they are to each other. Although some people are saying that BA2 is taking over to this such an extent that it should no longer be insulted by being called a subvariant. It should be a variant of concern in its own right. So it's, it's a bit academic. And as for who's catching the virus, there's some really interesting research looking at who caught it in earlier waves versus who's catching it in this most recent surge. Yes, this, this research comes from Professor John Glover in Adelaide, who specialises, an epidemiologist who specialises in disease patterns and health patterns down to the local government area. And he's using published data on PCR testing 
Um, he has looked at the waves of, of BA1 and BA2 and found that there's a distinct difference that over December, January, the wave was much more in disadvantaged populations and disadvantaged LGAs. And now the second wave that's coming now is much more of a middle class, uh, more advantaged suburbs outbreak. Um, he doesn't know why that's happened, but it's quite marked. And he thinks that possibly that as things have opened up over Christmas, that it's the people who can afford to go out to restaurants, bars, entertainment venues and so on that are getting infected, whereas they were probably holding back earlier. I mean, he, he basically doesn't know, but it's become really quite a transition socioeconomically. So perhaps before it was people who couldn't afford to stay home and now it's people who can afford to go out. What do we do with this sort of data? Well, or, or it's people who caught it more at home and stayed at home and people, and this is where we're, we're, we're spreading outside. It just shows you that pandemics are about social and human behaviour as much as how the virus operates. Yeah, that's super interesting. Well, Norman, I did promise you a bunch of questions about fourth doses. So I'm just going to like just sling them right at you and you have to answer nice and quick. Okay, we'll call this a quick fire. We're only one day a week now. Quick fire Wednesday. Okay, let's go. Do you still need a fourth shot if you've had COVID? The answer is yes, if, you're, if you qualify for it. Yeah, we better quickly talk about that. At the moment, fourth doses are mostly re- reserved for people who are at higher risk. It, I, I check your local health guidelines as to whether you fall into that category, but it's generally older people and people with certain conditions, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And you, uh, you do boost your antibodies up to where it was with the third dose, where they were, I should say, with the third dose. And, um, and the, the Israeli data would say that it really does boost your severe disease protection, not necessarily your chances of getting infected in the first place, but more the severe disease protection. So if you're in that group, you should get the fourth dose. Can you get a fourth shot and a flu shot at the same time? Yep, at the same visit, you absolutely can. And what's the best timing to get a fourth shot? This is from someone asking about winter and basically when they're, they're going to get the best bang for their shot, I guess. I think that's something you talk over with your general practitioner, but I think Otagi recommends about four months after your third dose, and that's based on the Israeli data. So if you're wanting to go into a situation where you're protecting against infection, you get about 30% protection against infection, but it only lasts a few weeks. It's really about severe disease, and you want to be loaded up because it can take about two weeks for you to achieve the full immune response. Um, so I'm not sure you'd wait around at this time of year. If you're eligible for it, I think you should get it. Well, if you've got questions about fourth doses or anything else coronavirus related, you can always ask us by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. But that's it for this week. We'll see you next Wednesday. We certainly will. <laughs>